0: Elizabeth Barrett is a wife, mother, licensed marriage and family therapist, educator, eavesdropper and emotion worker. She uses all these skills to address the subjects that we all struggle with in
1: this conversation with the reluctant therapist. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Good afternoon, Jordan. It's so nice to be here. Um, It's a beautiful day, as always, on the Central Coast. It is. And I'm happy to have a studio full of guests, which always makes my job a little easier and it also makes it a little more fun because I know that the conversation is going to be lively as we move around the circle. I'm I'm hoping it's going to be lively um, because I think this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and I think it's near and dear to our community's hearts. Um, I know that the, the subject of sex and sexuality is also sometimes a little unnerving or uncomfortable so I want to spoiler alert or heads up to anyone who has children in the car right now that today's topic is going to be about sex education and sexuality in our culture and what it's like to be a young woman in um, on a college campus today and also out in public and out in the world trying to find their way so if you're a little concerned about the the conversation this is the opportunity to make that choice. Now, Um, we're not going to be salacious here, but we definitely want to have a conversation about the expectations, the sexual expectations uh, in our culture and community that these young women feel. So having said that, I'd like to welcome into the studio, my guest today, Nicole Barrett is a junior at Colorado State University in Pueblo. She's 20 years old. She's also my niece. So I will (laughs) share that with you, and I'm happy to have you in the studio with me today. (laughs) And my other guest is Ashlyn Hatch. She is 20 also, going into her junior year at Reed College in Portland, Oregon. Ashlyn has spent the summer um, interning here at KCBX and did a fabulous job. So this is kind of her send-off back into the world. And I think this is a topic that's very near and dear to Ashlyn's heart. So she's wanted to have this conversation for quite a while. So we're doing that today. And then also um, chiming in today is my show producer, Jordan Bell, who's also reported Porter here at kcbX and Jordan are you 25 now um I'm 24 and a half oh. <laughs> but um, I'm turning
0: 25 in a number of months That's so what we thought
1: we, we won't age you up too quickly but this is a time in your life where you can you know go older and it's it's not so bad
0: yeah yeah. Well, welcome. I'm glad
1: you're here. And I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. And, you know, each week we get together to talk about things that are are resonating with us here in the studio, but also hopefully with our community. And I try to look into the stories that are out there, um, either through social media or in the newspapers or seem to be uh, coming up quite often in conversation. And the whole idea of Um, Sexual assault on college campuses was clearly a hot topic all of last year, and I'm assuming as we go back into the college um, academic year that that's going to come up again. I know there have been a lot of changes on college campuses when it comes to sexual assault consent um, laws or policies, and also in a greater scale in our community, there's been a lot more conversation about sexual assault and appropriate sexual behavior. But I want to talk about that, but I also really want to address something that is below the conversation about sexual assault and consent, and that is how do we learn about our sexual behavior and our sexual identity? How are we teaching young people today uh, how to be in a relationship, how to interact with each other, what's appropriate? Uh, an appropriate way to be in our body, because I think we send very mixed messages to our young people. On one hand, you know, we're saying through, the, through their education, um, don't have sex. Abstain that seems to even though that 's not the law that seems to be because of the lack of sexual education in the schools, um, that seems to be the default attitude is it will tell you about sex we'll give you some information, and if you ask about birth control, we might send you that direction, but overall, the adults in society hope that you won 't touch each other. Because if you do, you know, then there's all these sexually transmitted diseases and you're going to get sick and you might get pregnant. And so we talk very little about sex with our young people, with our students. And when we do, it's with a fear-based approach that all of these bad things will happen and don't get pregnant. But we're not going to tell you how to or not to. And so there's that, that message of just kind of hiding our heads in the sand and hoping it'll go away or assuming that our, our children are going to learn about you know, their sexual life through osmosis and then the other message is what we see in the media or walking down the street if you walk by a Victoria's Secret the way that we have over sexualized women you know the the scantily clothed ladies in the windows or swim uh, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue which is the largest selling news, uh, magazine issue every year which is all about exploiting women's bodies Uh, perusing, you know, it's not for the latest bikini fashions, it's really for exploiting women's bodies. And so I'm concerned that we teach these two dichotomous things, you know, be completely sexual, worry about your skin and your hair and your makeup and wear as few clothes as possible. And yet don't have sex, or at least don't let us know, or at least don't, don't enjoy it or don't, you know, be too obvious about it. And if you do, um, oh, well, we don't want to hear about it and when we're not going to talk about it. And it's those things that we don't talk about that tend to get us into trouble. It's those things that we keep secret that tend to lead to mental health issues and concerns and anxiety and depression and alienation, and isolation and confusion. And it also leads to epidemic levels of binge drinking. Because if you're suppressing your uh, sexuality or feeling confused or, you know, not sure how to approach other people who you're attracted to, then you feel like you need to probably mask your feelings by drinking a lot. So we see that our inability to approach sexuality in our culture impacting us on many levels, many levels in eating disorders in young women, in binge drinking on college campuses. And I think part of the epidemic of sexual assaults is also um, a symptom of our lack of sex ed. So that's my say. That That's my platform at this moment, and I want to open it up to my guests to talk about what has their experience been as women growing up in this culture around sexuality and sex and as college students on campus. So Ashlyn Hatch, why don't we start with you?
2: Yeah, so um, first of all, I've done a lot of work surrounding sexual assault prevention and response on campus. So um i think cuz
1: you are the president elect of reed we need to say that
2: <laughs> yeah so um i actually over the past year have spent most of my extracurricular time working to update reed's discriminatory harassment and sexual misconduct policy and to bring it into accordance with not only the federal guidelines that we had to uphold in order to keep getting federal funding but also sort of the community's wants and needs surrounding um, sexual assault prevention and um, that I think has really colored my view of this discussion it would be I would I would be remiss to say that I can talk about it separately because I can't after hearing so many people come to me and say that um, the way that we are talking about consent and about sex in our everyday lives just isn't good enough um, there's no way for me to say yeah it's fine it's totally okay and um, I think going to school here in um, the Lucy MR School District, and I went to a private um, elementary school, it wasn't really a topic that was breached very often. Uh, we definitely, I, I think in my elementary school, we had one day a year where we would sit and talk about sex, um, and all the girls would go in one room, and all the boys would go in another room, and it was the one day. And then you would all know that afterward, all the girls would be looking like over at the boys, like, oh, my gosh, that happens to them. And the guys are looking over at the girls, like, oh, girl, that happens to them. Um, and then you would forget about it in a week, and it would be done. Um, and so a lot of my sex ed came from my parents, um, and I think they did a really good job of that because I, I never felt like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going on with my body or these people around me. Um, but it wasn't a thing that we talked about publicly. It wasn't a thing that we discussed. Um, then moving on to read. I uh, got, I think, a really, really excellent sense of the importance of talking about sex and educating each other about the ways we want to communicate um, in regards to sex. It's it's just beyond important. Um, my first week at Reed, we had consent workshops, and we had workshops where we looked at our school's policy and tried to make sense of what it means practically to us because, For a lot of students, I know that whatever their sexual assault um, policy is, it kind of exists as this nebulous thing that exists in the college's online archives and you never really talk about it. But it's important to really, really, really understand what that means, not only if you're a person who wants to be having sex on campus, but if you're a person who wants to be an ally to somebody who may have been taken advantage of or may have been hurt.
1: So I'm curious, though. Do you feel sexually educated? Do you feel that you're comfortable with sex and sexuality in your life? Um,
2: I, I do. I think I do increasingly as I've been at Reed because it's been so destigmatized um, in terms of being a conversation, a topic of conversation.
1: Um, and what about in culture? Do you feel there's pressure as a woman to behave or to look or to – you know, act in a certain way that's counter to what is comfortable for you?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think there's a, um, perhaps a disconnect between feeling comfortable talking about sex and feeling comfortable, um, in one's body as a person in society. I think, um, actually at Reed, I do feel more comfortable just as a human walking mm-hmm. around. I think, um, perhaps because of the ways that we feel more comfortable talking about sex and, um, um, having you know the sorts of discussions around what is good for people and bad for people and excellent consent and subpar consent. Um, it just feels more comfortable for me to exist there um, because there are so many different opinions and thoughts and all these things. Um,
1: but and it seems like there's a campus, sense of respect, too, that you talk a lot about, that the students are demanding yeah. that there are policies and safe experiences for all students.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's an ongoing conversation, and I just feel more comfortable as a human because of that conversation, because it helps me understand that there's such a variety of ways to exist.
1: Um <laughs> And it's unfortunate you had to get to college to get there because college is a kind of an elite experience. It's not everyone's opportunity. So, Nicole, I'm curious about your sex ed. Do you feel like a sexually educated young woman, and where did you learn about it?
3: Um, the first sex ed class that I had was at the end of my fifth grade year. They you know, they separated the boys and the girls, and they had whatever we talked about. And, um, and then the next class that I had to take was... Um, A health class where we learned about personal fitness and stuff, but mostly the topic in that class and also my sophomore year of high school, we talked about um, sex and sexuality and what, you know, that women can say no, and if women say no, that means no. And so that's something that I was taught. I mostly learned about my sex education through my public schooling and stuff. Um, And then, again, my sophomore year of college was the first time that I heard anything about Um, The kind of sexual consent, like sex, yeah, sexual consent rules on our campus. I didn't realize that we had um, a specific office and a specific guy that dealt with um, harassment of all kinds on our campus. But that was something that they brought to, um, I was doing marching band and they brought it, we had a meeting about it one afternoon um, because I guess it had been an issue before and I didn't even hear anything about it. Um, but other than that, kind of not knowing that that existed, I feel like generally I am feel pretty educated in sex and, like, sexuality.
1: And do you feel any pressure, again, the same question I asked Ashlyn, in, in culture in general to be sexier or prettier or to behave in a way that might not be comfortable? Do you feel the pressure for that, or do you feel like you're fairly supported in your community or in, in your culture?
3: Um, I would say that my friends and peers – we all try to support each other, but I think outside of um, my like friend base and my social life, there is a pressure to like look a certain way and behave a certain way, but not talk about it because you're a lady and that's you don't talk about that. And um,
1: yeah. And so Jordan, being the the wise elder of the twenty somethings, <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you learn about sex and did you feel like you were sexually educated and prepared to? move into adulthood well I first heard
0: about sex like anecdotally through um, my neighborhood um, so that was like not the most ideal way to learn about sex but I think that's pretty commonplace Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> through my parents a little bit through my siblings a little bit which is like also borderline awkward <laughs> um, and in high school, in middle school I I was like cataloging these experiences in my mind a little bit ago (laughs) about, like, um, sex ed in high school, which was really entertaining in some ways because I had a very awkward teacher. Like, it it was just, like, brutally awkward. And so that – I think that probably played a lot into – like, none of my formal sexual education was anything but awkward.
1: And so by the time you got (laughs) to college, did you feel prepared to navigate the social – world of a college campus? No. So how did you what were some of the fits and starts or the bumps along the way?
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that well I think that personal growth and deciding what I want to be doing and who I want to be spending my time with mm-hmm. um it plays in to every experience in my life and I think that like that prob you know that Prompted me for sexual
1: experiences as well. And I think it is the hard thing. I don't know if there's a place, because you don't go to a class, right? You can't, it's not like driver's training where you go and you practice driving and then you pass your license, right? That, I mean, I guess we do a lot of practicing, sexually growing up and finding out how things work, maybe playing doctor when you're young. So there is a little bit of that, but there really isn't a place where you get a certificate at the end and they say, now you are. You are trained in, in the ways of sexuality. And I think the difficulty is there's the mechanical piece of it, which can be confusing or a little awkward. And if you're two young people kind of finding your way through, you know, around each other's bodies, that, that had, takes some maturity in order to kind of do that. But then there's the emotional piece that we don't tend to talk about, right, that the two really have to align to be fully sexualized, that there is an emotional piece along with the physical. Yeah. And they it, both
0: have their phases, I, I believe. I think they have phases in which those all happen. I mean that at
1: some maybe. points it's just physical?
0: Well well in that like I think certain phases correspond with ages, just like most things do. <laughs> you know, like the the physical aspect and the emotional aspect as like at seventeen or eighteen year old are quite different than when you're thirty. And
1: I mean, that's pretty obvious, but I think that it's valid. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett. Uh, I have guests in the studio today. We're doing things a a little different. Uh, We're not taking phone calls because there's a lot of opinions to be had here around the table. Um, So we're just going to let the ladies talk about their experiences and kind of share their wisdom or their concerns about their sexuality, the pressure from the community, um, why do we have consent, Policies on college campuses. Why are our students coming onto college campuses needing to learn these appropriate ways to interact with each other? Um, you can listen to previous shows at kcbx.org. You can always participate in the conversation on our website, thereluctanttherapist.com or through our Facebook page, The Reluctant Therapist. And you're always welcome to send me an email to Elizabeth at thereluctanttherapist.com. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, this conversation might be a little graphic for younger Uh, people today, but I do think it's an important conversation um, because it's something that we don't necessarily get to talk about comfortably and often. So I'm just going to put it out to whoever wants to jump in. Um, What is it you you know what is it you'd like to talk about what is it that's not said in your world or in the community or that you see on a regular basis in culture that needs to be talked about because i think the assumption is that women always talk about sex all the time but is that necessarily true and what 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 are the conversations that you'd really like to be having
2: i mean i think one of the most important things to me is that we need to have more conversations like this one um it's totally true. You're absolutely right that there's this thought, this pervasive societal thought that these are the conversations that women are always having behind closed doors. They're not. I mean, (laughs) at least from my experience, they're not. Um, And I think that's partially derivative of the fact that the media that we're being fed doesn't encourage us to have these types of really frank conversations. It encourages us, like you said before, to have conversations about our hair and what we're wearing and how we're using our physicality to attract the people who we want to attract. Um, But we're not encouraged to have conversations about the sort of social repercussions of those messages and the importance of, communication in sex um something i was thinking about as you were talking earlier elizabeth a little bit about the media and what we see in the media is how in movies or tv shows most of what i see you have these people whoever it is who's hooking up having sex they don't communicate at all really about the sex they'll communicate about other things maybe and then all of a sudden, you see them having this great sex, and they're still not communicating. There are no words ever, really, in these highly dramatized, beautiful sex scenes. And we're assuming that
1: it's great sex,
2: Yeah, too. exactly, because of what we're seeing. So we're told, right, you're absolutely right. We are told, one, that great sex looks this way. And we're also told, two, great sex requires zero communication, Um, So for me, that's a really big deal, and I think it's sort of an underlying cause of a lot of the problems that we see on our college campuses because you send kids out into the world who maybe haven't had the best sex education, who have almost certainly, though, been fed a lot of media Mm -hmm. and understand consent to be something that just sort of – Happens nebulously, which is, and good sex also to be something that just kind of happens nebulously, which I just don't think either of those things are true.
1: Well, I think of it kind of like Facebook, where we see Facebook, so we. And people put up their best front, so we assume that everyone's having a much better time than we are. Mm. I think sexuality is a bit like that also, that we tend to assume that everybody else has it figured out or is doing it much better or having much more fun than the rest of us. Mm. And for you, Nicole, what what conversations would you want to be having? And do you sit with your girlfriends and have these discussions often?
3: Um, No, I don't think – I think I will talk to my friends about – I try to be an open person to my friends and talk to them if they need – to talk about something i don't i try not to make it like a oh you want to talk about sex haha okay i guess we can talk like i try to be a pretty open person about like whatever they need to come with me about like come to me about is um yeah i'm willing to like listen so my my friends and i are pretty open with each other but i don't think that it's something that um a lot of people are talking about because you only talk about it with your close friends and um But I think that something kind of going back to that social media thing is that there are, you know, there's websites and apps and things that you can go on now where um, I think maybe their intention initially when they were created, the intention was for people to meet and mingle and talk and maybe end up dating and having sex or whatever their original intention was, but I think that a lot of these things are kind of taken advantage now, taken advantage of now, and they they're used as like a well, we can talk for like a couple of days, we can text, and then like, do you want to go have sex soon? Because that's kind of what I was on this app for, or whatever.
1: So I assume you're talking about Tinder. Yeah, I am though, talking I about Tinder. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm I'm not so far out of the loop. So so Tinder is an app. So
3: I'm I don't actually know what it was originally created for, but I can only assume.
1: It was meant for meeting people to date and have sex with. and But for the people who don't understand, can you explain what Tinder is? So
3: Tinder, you just go on and you either – they show you pictures of people. And so you're already kind of subjecting whoever you're looking at to like, do I find you physically attractive? And if not, we aren't even going to talk. And then so you're swiping right or you're swiping left. And if you swipe right, it means you are attracted to them. And so – that gives them an opportunity to, if they have also looked at you and decide, like deemed you attractive enough to talk to, then you guys can message back and forth. And, um, I have, I went on there out of curiosity and the people that go on there, it's kind of crazy because you can use it as kind of a social thing or there are people that go on there and some people literally are like, well, what are you on this app for? Like, are you trying to Have sex
1: right now, or what are you doing? And that's kind of weird. So, so is that where we've come to with sexuality in our in our culture? That it's something that you shop for. You know, is is it it something that's you know? Just about that moment, you know because it feels like and I wonder if it 's a little bit of you know what we 've said to your generation is don 't get settled down don 't get married too soon right don't don 't get settled into one relationship, and so we send you on this course of college into your career, and yet biologically you 're feeling these attractions and you may want to be in relationships, and yet we 've pushed you so far away from that that the only way to commingle is through shopping. For sexualized, I mean, I'm maybe I'm reaching, but what do you think?
0: Hmm. I I think I think that's a a fair component to how we exist. Um, it's hard to, and you're not on a college
1: campus, Jordan. So, where are you meeting people? I'm not meeting people,
0: (laughs) which is whatever, but um, (laughs) no, um, I think that certainly plays a lot into it, but you know, I, I don't. i I think my experience is so um i'm not in college but i live in a college town so i can't really speak for the rest of those 20 somethings out there who are living in a place where they have more people um on a similar um place in their lives than them in that you know there there is actually a drastic difference between being in college and being out of college immediately um so that that plays a lot into it um but I think I think dating is hard, and I think that like even like six years ago when Tinder wasn't around as an app that you download on your iPhone, I think that there was still like one one of my siblings was dating and she hadn't found anyone yet. She was doing online dating, which mm-hmm. is very similar. It's a lot more thoughtful because you have to go sit on your couch and like create a profile and do things. It's not as it's not as swipe. Friendly And sure, I'm sure there's some sort of correlation between the um, accessibility and the easiness of an iPhone app um, that correlates positively with um, how uh, fleeting these dating or sexual experiences may be.
1: All right. So all of you, what kind of education do you think is necessary before going into college? Or if you're not going to college, because, again, only – I don't know the statistics, but I imagine it's around 25% of our population goes to college. So 75% of our young people aren't having a college experience where they're going to orientations or sexual assault awareness classes. So where are we learning about how to be in relationship with others and what it is to express ourselves sexually and, you know, what what is lacking from your perspective? What What do you need to know?
2: I mean, I think ideally it would be a thing that is encouraged to happen in schools um, because most children, at least you know, up until the end of high school, are in school.
1: Um, well, what have you told me earlier the statistics yeah, of sex ed in our yeah. school systems. Is- only
2: 22 states require sex ed in our country and only 13 mandate that it be scientifically accurate. And I think something you've brought up before, Elizabeth, when we've talked about this is that... Scientific accuracy also doesn't demand a description of the sorts of feelings and emotions Mm -hmm. that come along with sexual encounters. And so I don't think it's safe to say that really any state does justice to the full picture of what sexual education can be. Um, In my ideal world, though, it would be something that rolls along with the rest of our education because it's certainly just as important Um, to how we continue to live our lives once we go out in the world, which is ostensibly what our education is supposed to be preparing us to do. Um, That said, I think families um, as a family unit are going to have to do the grassroots work of making that happen. And parents and siblings are going to have to talk amongst each other and really work together to have an open, flowing conversation.
1: I've always been blown away, always blown away that for a culture that is so sexually open, you know, with Victoria's Secret stores and the way that we sexualize young people with the fashions and what we show on television at any time. You know, there used to be like a family hour on television and that got blown out of the water and we see, you know, stage sexual encounters. But, you know, I, I am amazed that this sexually charged culture has such a repressed attitude about Uh, sexuality. And so what is it you wanted to know? Or or is there something that you still haven't learned or talked about?
2: Can I hop in there really quick and say, though I agree with you saying that our culture is sexually charged, I don't know that I would label our culture sexually open. I think with a certain Patriarchal spin were very sexually open, right? You're like the big Victoria's Secret pictures that you see when you pass by the store were sexually open in that sense, Mm -hmm. seeing the beautiful, quote unquote, typically beautiful women in the quote unquote, typically beautiful lingerie. Um, Straight sex scenes in movies between typically beautiful people, et cetera, et cetera, people really flocking to Fifty Shades of Grey. Our society could be termed sexually open in that sense, but I think in many other senses, it's almost oppressive, that sort of sexual openness. It dictates that, women when they dress that way are asking for sex it dictates that women who aren't dressed that way don't want sex it dictates that Mm -hmm. sexual relationships between people who don't look that way or think that way or who want something that deviates from that cookie cutter scenario are not looking for real sex Um, and so I think in in that sense we're really um, sometimes a more sexually
0: oppressive culture. Thoughts? i agree with that i think i think that it's also um uh, secretive like you know we we have we have a lot of images but um they're like almost amorphous because we don't like have like a way to get there we don't really know how that like actually happens
1: (laughs) See, and that's kind of my feeling is that we see the end result of naked people laying in bed having a cigarette right but we don't Really, ever talk about the process of connecting with someone, having a conversation, um, talking about our interests, or talking about being attracted and how we get to that sexual, that sexual place? So now we have to put into, into the college campus, you know, handbook. You have to have consent before you do this because I think since we've lacked that education in the social-emotional part of the physical relationship that people don't know how to get to, I'm attracted to having a sexual experience. So there's a lot of, as I said, I feel... before a lot of drinking and numbing and kind of fumbling around in the dark. And then the next thing you know, it happened and everybody's like, whew, got that done. And we never talk about the beautiful steps to making that happen, or maybe kind of the racy steps to making that happen. And so we have a huge disconnect. A- am I off on that? I mean, cause I'm not on the college campus.
3: I, I think that it's, it is kind of put out there like through Hollywood and stuff. It's like, well, in college, you're not – you are going to have to wait until, you know, your senior year when you meet the love of your life. And it's the only person that you have really connected with other than, like, you know, your girl best friends in college that, like, this guy just out of nowhere, he just fell out of the sky and he just, like, he gets you, you know. <laughs> and so now you guys are going to get married and, you know, you're going to do whatever you do, and but you're going to have to wait. And I think that that's something that has rubbed off on a lot of – um a lot of like our you know our generation is that you you are just going to have to deal with the fact that guys just aren't emotionally ready for a relationship and like so you they, shouldn't
1: talk to them about
3: right and so you don't want to you don't want to scare off that guy that you like because if he is at least he's interested in you for one reason so why would you scare him off by going hey i also kind of actually like you as a person, like, do you want to hang out outside of the bedroom? And um, I think that's something that we, you you don't want to, you don't want to scare the guy off. So you just do what, what he wants to do. And so.
1: So do you think in some way there's a more subtle pressure to be sexual because the just being with someone and dating and spending time together part has, has been lost?
3: I think sometimes, sorry, I think sometimes, yeah, because you know sometimes it's like you know that that's or you can only you don't know but you can only assume that that's like why why that guy came up and talked to you is because he looked at you and went yep i'd have sex with her and so now you're talking but you don't know if he's talking to you because he just wants sex or if he actually like thought oh like you know that's a cool shirt i wonder if they like we like the same band <laughs> or you know an actual reason to continue having any kind of relationship. And so, yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, that is more than a subtle problem. Um, And I think from the conversations that I've had with people at my school, it's not only a thing that exists for straight couples. It's a thing that exists Mm -hmm. for all couples of people around our age because of the messages that are constantly being shoved in our faces.
1: If you're just tuning in, this is A Conversation with a Reluctant Therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett. My guests today are Ashlyn Hatch, uh, my summer intern and student at Reed, president-elect at Reed College in Portland, my niece, Nicole Barrett. She's 20 years old and a student at uh, Colorado State University in Pueblo, and Jordan Bell, our show's producer, who's uh, also a reporter here at KCBX, and I invited them in because I, I... as we send the girls back to college, I I think one of my primary concerns is how are we teaching young people about their sexual lives so that they can have a full experience of what it is to be an adult. Uh, in our culture and our community. And my fear is that we are so far removed from the social, emotional, and physical uh, beauty of a sexual relationship because of things like Tinder and because of our social messages of don't get too serious, you need to follow your career, or because we have very um, limited conversations about what is appropriate between young men and young women, that now I think our only... um, Message when the kids get to college, or that you get to that you get when you get to a college campus is. We don't want to talk about sex, but if you are going to have sex, you must get consent and permission. And I guess my next question to the room is: What are these consent policies going to do to your your relationships? on campus and do you think this will cause less hookups or more concern do you think women will feel safer i mean and and how are these consent policies going to play out on campuses and my final thing that you guys can jump on is i I fear that we're throwing out these sexual uh the consent policies but we're not addressing really what is underneath that which is uh, not holding young people responsible for their behavior
2: um yeah, so that's a loaded question. That's a lot of things. Um, just, first of all, to tackle the consent and mm-hmm. how I think consent is important on college campuses. Um, consent is not just a thing for women. Consent is not just a thing for straight couples. Consent is important for everybody who's engaging in really any interaction with people. There's all different types of consent, not just sexual, sexual consent. Mm-hmm. Um But sexual consent also is for all different types of individuals and relationships. Um, And I think um, consent in my school's policy is defined as conscious, relevantly informed, and fully voluntary agreement to or permission for an act. And then there's various clarifying
1: factors. So the expectation is if you are on the way towards a sexual experience – The expectation is that someone's going to stop and say – and it sounds like the expectation is that the young man is going to stop and – well, because can – if it's a guy and a girl, can the woman stop and say, are you consenting to have – Absolutely. So whose responsibility is it?
2: It's both of theirs. It's a shared responsibility to obtain consent. Both people should always give consent. Or ask. should, Should ask and receive consent.
1: Is that your understanding of the policy at CSU? Yeah, I was actually just reading it um,
3: earlier, right before we started, and it said, I thought it was interesting that it said, it kind of was talking about, it said the same general thing that your um, conduct said as well, but it said that consent can be, um, it said verbal or physical or something along those lines, where as long as you show that you are consenting and you are not under the influence of drugs or alcohol or anything that could kind of inhibit you from making good decisions, I guess, um, yeah. then that is consent. And I kind of thought that was interesting because they do say, like, it says that silence, generally it says silence isn't an answer, um, which I agree with. And um, just, but I thought it was interesting to say that, like, if... Like, physically, you – I guess, it. you know, if you push someone away, that makes sense because you are saying, like, no, stop. Yeah, so like what, would
1: be a, what would be a nonverbal yes? Not in my head right
2: now. So, <laughs> so
1: is that also in reads that you can do a verbal or nonverbal? Yeah.
2: So the next thing in the policy is to consent is to actively agree to or actively give permission for something. Consent should never be consumed but must be actively obtained by all parties. Though this may require explicit verbal discussion, especially in unfamiliar situations, consent can be communicated nonverbally, especially in the space of mutual recognition created by a stable, ongoing relationship. Consent is not to be given in a passive state. Silence.
1: Is this reasonable expectation for behavior?
0: Isaiah, absolutely. <laughs> I, here, here's the deal. In in, in in Like as if I know everything. But in college, there there's a really horrible – I think horrible culture in that like people get so drunk that they – that is the only state in which they have sex. Um, and I think that oftentimes, you know, you're not thinking how you would think when you're sober. Um, and so that in itself – leaves people feeling a certain way. And sometimes that can leave people feeling like, oh, was that sexual assault? Should we have had sex? Um, Whatever that may be. And I think that, sure, this is such a pervasive issue because of the lack of education that we've had since we were young. But we're not going to change that immediately. And I think a lot of the time legislation happens because there's, like, a problem and they need an instant fix. Because the fact is that when there is a sexual assault situation, it ruins for at least a little bit the lives of
1: both people involved. Well, I the think long-term. Involved. It's not short-term. Yeah. I mean, from a psychological perspective, sexual assault or any sort of sexual uh, experience that's gone poorly has lifelong repercussions. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's not short-term.
0: It's certainly huge, and I, I, I think that th- – we should at least have a – I think we should have a really high standard for, like, a first encounter with someone because you don't know that person necessarily. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know that person. And um, I think that if you slowly develop a relationship with someone, then you guys can discuss, you know, how you and your partner want to go about determining when it you should have sex. But – I think initially we should have really high standards for this because there are some really high repercussions. Granted, some people are going to be like, well, that doesn't make it cool, exciting, or fun. It takes the
1: spontaneity out of it. Mm-hmm. and
0: But it, it can be a very quick thing. Do you want to have sex? Yes. Do you want to
3: have sex? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right? So, yeah. I also um, think that something that we don't talk about, well, it is talked about, but I think the way it's talked about is, not the best is that like if someone does feel like they were sexually assaulted and they go to a friend or someone they're like well was it really and then it's like if it happens multiple times people are like okay either you were doing something wrong or you need to remove yourself from those situations or you need to you you know or you're just making it up and i think that that is kind of a huge issue Mm -hmm. although I don't know it's a huge issue on my campus I think where people will walk around and be like well I feel like something was wrong but I don't want to really talk about it to anybody because
1: you know know, I don't want them they're shaming yeah I don't 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 want people
3: to think I was doing something I don't want like maybe I was doing something wrong and I think that that is such a huge issue Yeah. yeah
1: and I think that also has to do with again, how women are treated in culture. Mm -hmm. Because it goes back to me that that dichotomy is, on one hand, we're telling young women we've had women's liberation, you are free, you're academically gifted, you have all these rights, you know, women are equal to men on all accounts. But on the same, on the other hand, you know, men still hold all the relational power. Men still initiate dates for the most part. I mean, maybe there's some people who are women ask out, but the majority of the time men get to ask women out on dates. They are the ones who determine if you're going steady or in a relationship, if you're changing your Facebook status. Mm-hmm. Um, men still traditionally propose marriage. And so the really on, the only relational power women still have is in whether or not they're going to engage sexually with a guy that for women. And that I think is a real issue because I see young women giving up their sexual power because there's this fantasy that, well, I'm free, I'm liberated. I'm an empowered woman. I can have sex and use my body in any way I want because I am, you know, independent. But then at the same time, I think you're actually in some ways giving away your power and and maybe it's because I'm old and you are young
2: because I I see
1: you making faces at me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I just don't know that I agree that there's a direct correlation there. I think women can and should use their bodies Um, however they feel compelled to. um, And I don't know that it's necessarily um, indicative of a man or any person taking advantage of the woman who decides to have sex. Um, I think there are certain characteristics in various situations that would indicate that that's the case. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily universally true.
1: Maybe not universally, but I'd have to argue a little bit that, you know, not all women have the education or the emp- level of empowerment that you might have going to, you know, a prestigious liberal arts school. I My argument is that for three quarters of the women in this culture, mm-hmm. they still are marginalized in society uh, economically, academically, and physically. So I, I think the danger is that we only see this situation from that, this right. perspective of highly educated individuals, but I still believe that for three-quarters of the population, th- women are, are objectified and still much more uh, apt to be part of a rape culture. And yes. it concerns me that we have consent laws on college campuses, but again, where are the consent laws on high school campuses or in the general public? Because you talked about a Senate bill, right? George?
0: Um,
1: there's there are a couple
0: Senate bills. Um, one that I believe was passed at the start of this year, uh, authored by one of our state or our local legislators, um, that that means yes means yes on college campuses. So it still is uh, just
1: a, college campuses.
0: Uh, well, yes, but th- there's actually a bill that was approved this month by the state assembly, and it's intended to prevent sexual assault by providing formal education to high school students so that they can learn about affirmative consent laws and sexual behavior. But, but yeah, the yes means yes was um, became law at the start of this year. And the cases of sexual assault at Cal Poly, actually, at the beginning of this year, also, you know, this law was used or considered during that um, process. Now, and then also at the start of this month, Governor Brown signed a law by the same, um, Senator Hannabeth Jackson, um, that would allow communities to, community colleges to discipline students, um, for sexual assault that isn't limited to to the campus. Now it like expands their campus beyond the physical boundaries of it. And the UC system and the CSU system both have, um, similar things in
1: place so that actions can be disciplined by the university. Do we need these consent laws on high school campuses then or in the general public?
3: I mean, I don't see why not. I think that there's an issue of there's a lot of kids that are having sex in middle school now, which is kind of crazy to me. But I mean, that I think it should be
0: I think college is a microculture though. Like I think that college yeah. is in a, an insane world mm-hmm. in, the, in the, like, well, at least if you're, if you're partying or like falling into these like outlandish traditional outlandish and traditional, but yeah, sure. Things that we assume college to be. Um, it's a microculture of like hyper sex, hyperdru- hyper amounts of drugs and alcohol, like all those things are happening. So like for that, Purpose, there. I think that it's sure important to have an extra like level of security for people. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think what we need is education, and what we need is a lot of education. And and um, yeah, there we need discussions about shame, and we need discussions about all sorts of things. Because because I mean, like sex is not easy for me to necessarily talk about. Like, I don't feel, like, super comfortable right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm watching all
1: of you squirm around in your chair, and I think that's why I know the conversation, because even if you're an educated, liberal, free person, it's it's not something that flows naturally as a conversation piece, because it's one of those mysterious things, that there isn't a one way. Yeah,
2: Yeah, absolutely. When I was working on the discriminatory harassment and sexual misconduct policy, I had to have a lot of very... um candid conversations about these definitions and terms with students who I was working with, who I didn't necessarily know very well at all, with professors, with administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely the sort of conversation that sometimes halts people in their footsteps. And they say, you know, I don't necessarily know if I feel comfortable saying, and then, you know, they sort of ease into saying whatever they need to say. Um,
1: There's always a caveat beforehand.
2: uh, Often, yes. Um, Or at least at the beginning of the effort to sort of start updating this policy there was. And I think throughout the process, many people in the community became a lot more comfortable having those conversations. But I think it's absolutely what I experienced is indicative of what you're saying. It's
1: not always easy. So then I go back to my original question. What is it the three of you needed to know, wanted to know, are still curious about when it comes to sexual relationships or sexuality?
3: I think something that um, I've just become a lot more comfortable with over the past year is that, um, well, they always like, I feel like when you start college, it's like, well, boys are going to try to take advantage of you, and so you need to watch out for them. And um, so I guess... and if guys were kind of sleeping around and experiencing having these sexual experiences and they were getting high fives for it, like, why is it so – it's just, like, not okay. It's embarrassing when women have sex with people and they – it's like a one-night stand or whatever you want to call it. It's embarrassing and it's not okay. And so something that I've kind of um come to terms with a lot this year is that it's okay to – it's okay for women to do the same thing that men are doing with their sexual experiences if you if you want to have a you know no you don't want to get super involved with somebody you are just wanting to experience like experience a sexual relationship with them that is okay too um because part of the problem is that guys always think girls are crazy because they want to have emotional connections with people as well as sexual connections and that is like you you get called crazy if you are too clingy or whatever to guys but they can go around and sleep with whoever they want and that is perfectly normal and i think that's really weird it's confusing i would imagine yeah
1: yeah what about you ash
2: yeah i think i would have liked to have come into my college career with less of a shame stigma surrounding sex Mm -hmm. um sort of what you were saying nicole i think it's just for everyone's good that we don't associate sex with shame that we don't associate people coming up to us and saying oh i had this really awful thing happen to me and i think that i was taken advantage of with you probably weren't you probably shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been doing that Mm -hmm. you were probably in the wrong um Especially I think that's where the male-female dynamic really needs to be taken into account. Like you were saying, Elizabeth, there are a lot of cases when at least society expects for the man to pretty much be in control and then – but the woman makes the decision to have sex and if she does that, then good to go, whatever. Let's put the onus on men (laughs) to respect the women who they're with and let's make it so that women don't need to feel shameful if they're entering into sexual relationships and – being liberated and sharing their body in the way that they want to share their body. I think we need to get rid of this sex shame stigma.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and that's well said because I think, You know, we want everyone to be as highly educated as possible and to have the highest sense of self-esteem. So if you are making decisions to have sex with someone, it's not because you fear if I don't have sex, they won't like me, as Nicole mentioned earlier, right? I think that's the dilemma is that we have a lot of young women feeling like I have to do this or no guy will be with me. And so I think that puts a lot of undue pressure on women Um, you know so you have someone who feel very comfortable in their bodies and and feel like they want to have these experiences but for a lot of young women I think they are feeling that they desperately need to do this and then a whole nother hour conversation is you know the whole body Mm place it's like can I just enjoy being naked in front of someone and not worry about holding in my stomach or you know can I just enjoy the act of a sexual experience in my body without tensing up or feeling like am I pretty enough Mm -hmm. you know that's Again, why I ask, have things changed in the 30 years since I was a teenager or, or a 20-something? Or, or are you still grappling with these same thoughts? Or are you so confident that, you know, Pirate's Cove is a Colin after the show today? <laughs> I, think, um,
3: I think, yeah, that body image is, like, such a huge issue. Um, that is what you were saying, right? Is that, yeah, I think, like, going sh- – going looking for clothes or bikinis is like, you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, well, people think this looks good on me because I don't really know how I feel about it. But if other people will think it's attractive, I'll get it. And so that's kind of, um, I guess that's kind of how a lot of like shopping for clothes or whatever, like, does it look, Will other people think it's attractive on me. And I think that kind of sucks. I don't feel like you know, I feel like there's a lot of, oh, love your body stuff going around. But I don't know how much people actually, because the people who should love their bodies, according to society, are the ones posting stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the people that don't, aren't. So, Yeah, radical self-love sounds great
2: and it's difficult to practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
1: And the thing that makes me sad from the mom therapist, educator, auntie perspective, is that, you know, the sexual relationships that you can look forward to having can be some of the most beautiful, powerful experiences in your life. And my concern is that we need, without sounding old fashioned, you know, how do we broach the conversation that, you know, sex has lots of phases, as Jordan said, that there might be times where you just meet someone and it's hot and it's this exciting Mm -hmm. thing and you're young but that ultimately we hope maybe that we're growing into these mature relationships where we're with someone who just, you know, worships us and we worship them and it's this beautiful thing. But I don't know if we have a path to that place. And that's my concern. And this has been a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett. I appreciate the honesty of my guests, Nicole and Jordan and Ashlyn. Uh, Brief final thoughts, anyone, before we close out? Brief final thoughts. Um, if I could offer you some outside reading, there's a
2: very cool article um, online if you Google T consent. Um, it's a cool video or you can read it if you want. It's an article just about the ways that we can talk about and think about consent practically in our lives. And there's also an awesome kids book called sex is a funny word that mm-hmm. was just published. And I think if you've enjoyed this conversation, you've probably, you'll probably you probably like that book as well. Excellent.
1: Anything, Dad? Nicole?
3: No,
0: not really. <laughs> Jordan, anything, Dad?
1: Um,
0: just that I think people are all very different, um, <laughs> and I think that um, sex is a very personal thing, Absolutely. and therefore it's really hard to because you, you in a sense are sharing an experience with someone is really hard to um like accept someone else's whatever it may be so and, and that goes for your friendships and that goes for all those things and I, I think that's perhaps maybe one thing I wish I would have known just like that people are different. people are starting from different places.
1: And that there is not just a one way of doing these things. And so I encourage uh, parents out there to really think about your own relationship to your sexuality, and and to know that you're modeling for your children not just you know polite behavior or academic behaviors, but you're also modeling sexual behaviors and how you relate to those in your life that you're close to are sending messages about body comfort and sexuality to your children. And as always, I appreciate you being a part of this conversation. Previous shows are at kcbx.org. My 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 website, Elizabeth, uh, the reluctant therapist at, I can't even say it, the reluctant therapist.com or emails to Elizabeth at the reluctant therapist.com. Thank you so much for supporting public radio KCBX.